Well, that was a gift to you. The 8.30 service didn't get to see my sister. So, uh, um, she came in late last night and didn't want to wake up this morning, I guess. I don't know. But, uh, no, it is good to be in church this morning and to worship the Lord. I'm going to put this back here. But uh, thank you so much for being here this morning. Have you ever said this kind, these kinds of statements? Have you ever just had a little bit of a pity party for yourself? Anybody ever had a pity party for themselves? Why does everything always fall apart for me? Right? Why can't anything go the way that I plan it to go? Why can't I be the one? This is my favorite. Why can't I be the one to find the $20 bill on the ground, right? Do you know the guy that everywhere they go, they're like, oh, wow, where'd that money come from? You know that guy? I I think everybody knows somebody like that. But there's so many times in our lives where those statements are said. And I think sometimes we do it almost, we do it jokingly. Man, everything just always, it's like nothing. I, I can't get anything to come together to the plan that I had initially planned out. Nothing works together the way that I plan it. Do you know there's also some people that literally live like that, where they believe that everything, like all of everything, all the forces of the world are against my family. And you're like, uh, this is where I'm like, I hate to burst your bubble. You're not that important. You ever want to say that? But people live like that. And you know, I've come to a place in, in my own world where I've obviously been there, where I've kind of cried those same cries. God, why can't anything just work out for me? And we live and we go through that. Oftentimes, those are days and weeks, and we allow ourselves, and it's just, you know, something happened at work and something happened at home and something. It's like everything kind of happened all at one time, and we get to those things where it's kind of that pity party. There was, I don't know when it was, but it was quite a while ago. I just got to a place where I'm like, hey, Aaron, pick yourself up, move forward with life. It's not all that bad. And I found myself at those moments turning to just prayer for others, serving others. Because when I begin to pray for you, it's, it's usually I'm not as selfish because I'm thinking of you. And when I'm serving you, I'm not being selfish and thinking of me. And so when all of those things happen, oftentimes I've got to that place where I'm like, all right, I got to begin to pray for others. And I'll begin to rattle off people's names and rattle off situations. And I'll try to find areas where I can go and serve. Because here's the reality, and maybe it's not the reality for you, but here's where I've just kind of looked at this. And I've thought so many times when I live like that, I'm selfish. I'm not selfless. I'm being prideful. I'm not being humbled. And when we're thankful, when we're truly thankful, I believe that there's an aspect of humility and selflessness that comes in that. I pray that the last series, if you were with us in the the series on influence, I pray that it was one that was encouraging to you, that it challenged you in your walk. But I know one of the things that it did for me, one of the things that it did for me was I began to think of people that genuinely had a great influence in my life. 
I began to look at other people and I thought, man, I'm so thankful for those people. And I would, I would oftentimes, as I joked about and I shared the stories of just kind of crying and, and shedding tears because why? I began to be thankful. God, why would you have put that person in my life at this particular time to do that thing? God, why would you have done this? God, and we begin to walk through that road a little bit and we begin to be thankful for the influence that others have had in our lives. And as we move into this Thanksgiving and holiday season, the Christmas season and all of that that's coming around and the year has been what the year has been. It's not been something that's super awesome and we can all stand and say, yes, that's pretty true. But at the same time, do you realize as we come to the conclusion of this year, I can't help but look back and see the hand of God time and time and time and time again. God is still God. He is still worthy of our praise, and I ought to still be thankful regardless that the year is what the year is. And so as we come into this this series, Thanks and Giving, my prayer is this. My prayer is that we truly get to the heart a little bit of what thanks thankfulness is of being thankful because I believe for me when I'm thankful is when I'm the most at peace it's when I'm at the most joyful in my life it's when I'm at the most a place of comfort it's typically when I'm in a place where I I, I'm okay my relationships are typically better when I'm at a place of thankfulness again why because I'm not thinking of just me we were talking in our life groups this week, and I was asking a question and uh, just kind of the statement of, hey, what, what is God doing in your life? What are some things that God is doing or maybe scriptures that he's showing you or whatever in, in quiet times or from a sermon or from our studies, whatever it is. And uh, one of the statements that was made was uh, a gentleman was challenged at work to think of three things every day that, were, that he was thankful over. And just the thought that come out of that or came out of that was just, it was simple. But when you're looking for things to be thankful for, the outcome of our lives are completely different. Because I don't always find the pity party when I'm genuinely looking for thanks. Because I see in that, I'm going, wow, but God showed me this, or this happened, or that happened, and I'm thankful in the smallest of things. You know, so often we're thankful. Oh, God, thank you for our house. Thank you for my car. Thank you for this. Thank you. We look at those big things, but what about the minute little things that we sometimes just overlook? But when we're looking for it, it's something different. See, every day of our lives aren't always the same. Right now we're coming into the holiday season and we're coming into Thanksgiving and Christmas. Do you know naturally during this time, some, it's a hard time for many because family and uh, whether you're with family or not with family or family has passed and all of these different things, the holidays are extremely difficult but they're also extremely t- a time of extreme thankfulness and gratefulness. Because what do we do? We look back. We naturally look back. I naturally, over this holiday season, I will look back and I will be reminded of waking up at Christmas early in the morning because my oldest sister thought it was great to open or wake up at like three in the morning and go wake everybody else up in the house. What are we doing, Jamie? It's not time to wake up right now. 
But we're reminded of those things. I'm reminded of, of dinners around or uh, with the family at Grandma King's or Grandma Flanagan or my, my great great or my great grandparents or whatever it is. I'm reminded of all of those things. I'm reminded of family and being together, and it naturally draws me to a place of what? Thankfulness. Some people may not have the greatest of upbringings, and those are, it's a difficult time, but the reality is when I'm these are times that make us remember all of those things. And as we start this series, Thanks and Giving, my prayer is that we would genuinely examine the heart of what it is to be thankful. Because when I'm thankful, it's when giving means something. When I'm being thankful, I, I want to give. And I'm not talking about giving to the church. I'm just talking about giving of myself and being selfless and saying, man, I want to give. I'm more kind to people when I'm thankful. I'm, I'm, I'm all of these things, and I want to get to the heart of this because at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, I wonder if we're truly thankful. This series is going to kick off today with the thankfulness of our salvation. Thankfulness in our salvation. I believe that if we can get to that place where we are genuinely thankful in our salvation everything else it's not that it will be perfect but what else is there that's the hope that i have that's my eternity that's my security that's everything but so many times i think that we we kind of look past that but but god didn't do this but this isn't happening and we we throw those pity parties we're going to be in second thessalonians chapter number 2 and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it is a, a book that is a prophetic book at the very beginning of chapter 2. It makes this statement, uh, now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and so we're talking of prophecy of Jesus is returning, and, and we're not going to talk of that this morning, but that's kind of the, the heart of this chapter. And, and really, the reason that I, I share that is we're going to come into the about the end of this chapter, middle end of this chapter, and really Paul is writing and Paul is saying, hey, these are all things that have been told to you. These are all a bunch of people have lied to you. They're giving you false teachings. They're, they're saying all of these things that are not right about the coming of Jesus, and they're not right about those times. And uh, you're a little discouraged, and you're a little beat up, and you're a little scared, and you're a little all of these things. I want to remind you of this. It's kind of what we're coming into. And Paul is writing and he's saying, I want to remind you of the goodness of God, the love of God, the salvation that you have. I want to remind you of all those things. And I would say the exact same thing to us today as a church. Whether you're in the room or you're watching online, whatever it might be, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, yes, the world may be falling apart all around you, but here's what I would say. We have the hope of a Savior. We have a hope of salvation. We have the hope of God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. We ought not live in fear. We ought not live like that. And really, that's in essence what Paul is saying. He's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and he's like, time out, calm down, we're going to be okay. And I genuinely believe to you and to me, if we can get to the place where we would say, time out in my life, let's stop, let's look back at the salvation of God, 
And he says it in this passage of scripture as you move forward. He says, be thankful for the love of God. And he goes, and because of that, stand fast. I can stand firm. I can stand fast because of the salvation that I have in him. I don't have to go berserk and be crazy in the crazy times in which we live. Now, granted, this was not written for 2020. Talking about a pandemic and talking about all the stuff that we want to talk about. But God's word is alive and it is so practical for us at this time. And so this morning, and we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. We're going to look at 13 through 17. And as I said, Paul is just writing to calm their hearts, to encourage their faith and to give them, uh, he gives them really several statements, which we're not going to go through all of them, but he says, hey, do not be deceived, do not forget, do not be ignorant, do not be unbelieving, and he speaks of the security that they have. And so today, again, the same exact thing for you and I. Let us remember, let us look back at the, the, the grace of God, the salvation that we have And be thankful for that, because in that, I can stand firm, I can move forward in the comfort and the love that it will speak of in this passage. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Father, we come to you this morning, and I pray, Lord, that you would uh, take this passage of Scripture. Would you speak to the hearts of each one that are here? Lord, maybe there is one that's sitting here wrestling with salvation in general, and they do not, they've never come to a place to say, yes, I place my faith and trust in you. Maybe today would be that service, that word, that your word would tug upon their heart to help them, lead them to make the decision that they need to make. For others, maybe we sit here as believers and we're just struggling in life and we're, we're, we're maybe we believe and we know, but we're just, uh, we've wrestled and we're not very thankful right now because things aren't what we thought that they should be. God, help us to take that back to salvation, that we ought to be thankful in that. And because of that, we can be comforted in every other aspect of our lives. Lead us today, for it's in Jesus' name that I pray, amen. I have two points this morning, which is shorter than three, and uh, that doesn't mean that the sermon will be less time than three points, but either way, I have two simple thoughts this morning. The first is this, thankful for God's love. We are thankful for God's love. Paul says we should always give thanks if we look at this passage in chapter or in verse number 13 but we are bound to give thanks always 
We should always give thanks. We are again bound. We are constrained that we ought to give thanks. We give thanks and it says this, because of what? We are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren. What does it say? Beloved of the Lord. Beloved of the Lord, by the Lord, there is a lot going on in our world in the midst in which we live, and we ought to be thankful for the work that God is doing. But you know, we ought to be thankful that God loves. God loves. It says we ought to give thanks, we're bound to give thanks, and then it speaks of that beloved of the Lord. In John chapter 3 and verse 16, probably the most famous verse in all of God's word, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God so loved, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 2, and it says, and walk in love as Christ also, what? Hath loved us and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God. Why did he give us an offering? Why did he sacrifice? Why? It was his love for that sweet-smelling savor. Ephesians 2 In verses 4 and 5, But God who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us. What does it say next? Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. He loves us. And so as we look at this passage, we are bound to give thanks to God for you, brethren, beloved, loving, because God loves us. In verse number 12, it says this, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth. And so Paul is writing this in a contrast. So prior to this, there was a lot of false teaching, and he comes to verse number 12, and he says, many of them don't believe. These people do not believe, and they will be damned. But he's speaking to now the believer. He's speaking to the believers And he makes that reference. God's work of salvation started out of his sovereign, undeserved love. God put forth the plan of salvation in his sovereign love and grace. And it was his plan. Have you ever thought of that? God planned from the beginning of time for salvation. God always had made a way for you to seek him. And as we look at this, we ought to thank him that he loved. We ought to thank him that he chose us, that his plan was for you and I to be in relationship with him from the beginning. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 according as he had chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God in his grace gives us. Through Christ, what we do not deserve. And God in His mercy, think about this, God in His grace gives us, through Christ, what we do not deserve. And God in His mercy does not give what we deserve. What did He do rather? Rather, He gave it to His Son on the cross. Stop and think about that. An all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful God didn't punish me Rather, he gave my, what should be my punishment of death, he gave it to his son upon a cross, the grace and mercy of God. I've spoke of this several times. God's grace, a simple definition, is God's unmerited favor doing in and through and for us that which we do not deserve. We are thankful, we ought to be thankful for God's 
work and God's grace and God's love. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. We ought to be thankful again that he had saved us, that he has called us. And we ought to be thankful that it's not according to our work. Are you thankful that your salvation is not according to your work? I am. <laughs> what did I bring to the table? God, look at me. Here I am. Look, I'm, I'm wonderful. No, what did we bring to the table? Nothing. We have nothing. I have nothing to offer God. He's... I, I was born in sin. Like, I, I am sin. At birth, I was sin. Why? Because of Adam and Eve in the garden. That, that's what I... Hey, God, here I am. All of my filth and disgustingness, I, this is awesome. This is all my good works. And he says, no, it's not by your works. It's by my work that I would save you. And when he looks at me, he doesn't see all that filth and all that sin and all that stuff. He sees the blood of Jesus, his son, who died upon the cross to cover that for the redemption. I'm so thankful that God chose me. I want us to think of this statement. God is God. God is omnipotent, He is omniscient, He is omnipresent, He is God over all things, He is sovereign Lord, He is eternal, He is uncreated and self-existent. It is impossible for Him to be mistaken, deceived, or thwarted. He has complete knowledge and data of the entire universe, He knows everything. He cannot violate his own character. He is absolutely holy and the essence of all love. Yet he created you and I with our own will. And he does not control that will. He knowingly created you with that will and basically set up rules that he would operate in and thus never created a puppet. Rather, he created you and I as people. So he gives us a choice and does not violate the human will. He convicts but does not compel. We can say I will or I won't to the gospel call. He can and does quicken but can be sometimes quenched. God does not send people to hell. The person who says no to him does that themselves when they say I will not accept Christ. God will eventually say your will be done. Live forever without me to think of that that God chose you and I that God chose you to salvation and it says this in this passage of scripture right after that from the beginning chose or from the because God has chosen from the beginning chosen you to salvation what does it say through sanctification of the spirit and belief of truth the sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit that is working in you, setting us apart from sin to righteousness. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 11, And such were some of you, but you are washed, you are sanctified, you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. And starting at salvation and total transformation, the believer is born again, the believer becomes a new creation 
And it's a continual sanctifying process that will be complete in heaven as we are made whole with Him. We are daily becoming more like Christ. See, the element for you and I is that we would grow in our faith is growing in the truth of God's Word. I say this passage of Scripture all the time, that it is, um, in order for our faith to grow, it must grow through the Word of God. So the more that I know God's Word, the more that my faith grows, the more that I, I have that, I can, the more that my trust grows, all of those things, that truth, that belief continues to grow. Acts chapter 16 and verse 31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Again, it starts with a belief. It starts with that trust in the truth of God's word. Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with the Lord or with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, what does it say? And believe in thy heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. What are, there again. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. The Spirit regenerates those who hear and believe, giving repentance and a gift of faith. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 makes the statement, For by grace, through faith, it's not of yourself, rather it is the gift of God. Why? Lest no man can boast. I cannot boast in my own salvation. I cannot boast in anything that I have done. Why? Because it is not of myself. It's only of God that He gave me grace that I can have the salvation. I did not do anything to earn that. It's why he called you, whereunto he called you through the gospel. He called you through the gospel. It says that in verse number 14, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. I just ask the question, and I, I'm going to reiterate this over and over, but I wonder if we are genuinely thankful for the grace and the mercy that God has given to us. Are we thankful that God has chosen you? And we can argue about the theology of some of those things of being chosen and being called from the foundations of the earth and all of those things, but the reality is this. God is God. He knows the past, the present, and the future. He is all-knowing, and God chose you. He gave you that that opportunity to make a decision and I wonder today are we thankful for the grace of God working and moving in the Holy Spirit working in our lives to set us apart to sanctify us unto him or do I just say thank you God for my salvation thank you for whatever and so many times I feel like that's what I do God thank you but I don't really dive to the depths of the heart of what that is. The call of the gospel is irresistible because it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. We ought to give thanks for the redemption. We ought to give thanks because these all give us, and this is the security that we can glory in the Lord Jesus Christ. I would say this as I go into the next point. We are not destined to doom and gloom. Because we have the joy and the hope of Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. I can be frustrated with what I see in our, in our country, and our world. But as a believer, I ought not be scared. 
As a believer, I ought not be just terrified and living in fear. I ought not have the, oh, well, I guess whatever, whatever, I don't know. It's horrible. 2020 is the worst year ever. This is so dumb. It's horrible. Do you realize that's, Christians are living like that. And we don't have a joy about us. Listen, there's only one group of people that ought to have joy right now in our lives, in our world. And that's you and I that believe in the name Jesus Christ. The sad reality, though, is so many are just, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. But I can, to the best of my ability, and by faith and trust and know, I can look at you in the eyes and I can say, I may not know, but I'm going to pull my pants up. I'm going to go to the office. I'm going to put a smile on my face. I'm going to hug somebody. I'm going to high-five somebody. I'm going to tell them that Jesus loves them, and I'm going to move on with life. I can't control it. But I can, as a believer, stand. The next point is thankful for the strength to stand firm. I can, as a believer, stand firm, not because I did anything, but because the grace and mercy of God, because he loved me, he gave me a hope for tomorrow. I can stand in that and say, you know what? You can do anything that you want, Satan, but you can't have this. I ain't going nowhere. I don't like it. I'm irritated. I'm a human being. You know what? I'm going to continue to teach. I'm going to continue to stand. I'm going to continue to have joy in my life. Because the one that is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and long-suffering, the one that is all of that is still alive and on the throne. Therefore, I can stand and say, Nana, 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 what are you going to do about it? So are we thankful in our salvation? Are we thankful, that first thought, for God's love and all of the things that we just read about that come because of the love of God? Because God loves, he chose. Because God loves, he gives grace. Because God loves, he shows mercy. Because God's love, he does those things. And then because of that, we can look in verse number 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold. How awesome is that? It's amazing. To stop and look back and go, but I, I, I can't control it, but I know the one who does. And so I guess I'm going to stand here because he has a pretty cool track record up to this point. Ain't nothing failed him yet. And I'm going to stand and I'm going to stand firm. And I guess you can do what you got to do. But that's what we have to do. Therefore, stand Fast. We are thankful for the love of God. We are thankful that in that love and salvation we are given strength to stand. Paul says, now therefore stand firm. Hold to the traditions through God's word with everything going on, with the challenges that the church at Thessalonica were facing. 
the false teachings that was coming about and that were taking place about what was coming in the future. The church was scared. They were scared. Paul, don't you know what's happening? Don't you know of what's going to come before us? In the, don't you know? And Paul says, time out. For one, they're a bunch of liars. That's not true. Calm down. Be thankful in your salvation. And stand fast. We have been chosen to share in the glories of Christ. And the only way we can is to stand firm. We can celebrate that we won't be here for the horrors of the end. God has chosen that believer uh, that, that we would share in his splendor. And we must live a life honoring him and sharing the hope that we have. Do you know the greatest, as we look at this passage, it makes reference to enjoying the, the glories there in verse number 14. The obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that I get to share in the glory of God? Isn't that cool? Have you ever stopped to think that when I share the gospel, not just because I'm a teacher, but when I talk and when you talk to people and you share the gospel and you share the love of Jesus and you live a life that is separated and set apart, when you live that way, you are sharing and you are glorying in what he has allowed. Like, that's amazing. Have you ever got to share the gospel with somebody and watch them come to know Christ? Have you ever experienced the glory of what that is? He allows us and asks us to be a part of that. That's pretty stinking awesome. The face that lights up. The weight that you can physically see a weight that, walk, that falls off of somebody's shoulders when they genuinely just say, God, oh, that's what it is. To say yes to you, I don't have to work it. I don't have to earn it. I don't have to do all of those things. I just simply have to say, uh, yeah, I've failed. I've sinned. And you mean God will take all that? God will take all of this junk? Yeah, that's all. He just wants you to, he wants you to seek him. You can watch it fall off. We get to glory in that. That's amazing. Stand fast. He says, continually stand firm and always maintain the hope that we have in him. It says this statement, hold to the traditions. I don't think I need to go into a lot of that, but the traditions that this is speaking of is not like what we would talk about, religious traditions. You have Christmas traditions and Thanksgiving traditions and all of the traditions. That's not what this is talking about. This is talking about the word traditions is literally the word that was passed from person to person. And so the, the God spoke to, well, the Old Testament would have been the prophets, but God spoke to Paul, and Paul would have spoken to, that is the tradition, hold fast to, really, we would say, hold fast to the word of God, hold fast, fast to the truth, and that word hold is, it's, it means this, to be strong, powerful, to be master of. I am to hold fast. I am to hold with power. I am to be, do you know somebody that, I mean, in, in working world, some of you may be uh, electricians or plumbers or whatever, and there's a, isn't there, isn't a master carpenter or a master, is that right? Is that right? 
thank you. I thought so. But, so you have the, those are the ones that would hold, they are the master of, they are a mastery of whatever that is. My father is a, mecha- a machinist. I would say he's like a master of that. Some of you may be a car mechanic. You'd be a master of, you know, with like the back of your hand, you are confident, you hold firm and fast to the things that you do. I look to you for those answers. Does that follow? It says here, what? Hold fast, grab, hold, and stand. Be firm in that. Stand fast. Hold with power the truths of God's word. Clinging to it. Whoever said that? Was that you, Murray? Cling to it. So stand fast. And hold the traditions. Hold the word of God. Listen, I can stand. Why? Because of the thankfulness of God's salvation, his love, his grace, his mercy. And because of all those things, I'm going to stand fast and I'm going to hold on tight. And I'm not going to let go and I'm not going to move. Why? Because it's in him that I have security and I can have joy and I can have comfort and I can have peace. Not because of what I have done, but because of what he did and now is doing in and through me, I can stand firm and know that I'll be okay. Listen, church, you can stand firm and know that you'll be okay because it's not of you, it's of him. I need to calm down. But church, that's the thing that we have. I can put a smile on my face. Not because my job is secure. I hope my job is secure. But what'd you say? We'll vote later. (laughs) The business meeting just got canceled. Thank you. Um, But I can stand firm not because of those things. I can stand firm because of who he is. My my salvation is secure in him, so stand fast. Stand fast. I wonder if the church were to stand fast and truly hold firm to these things. I wonder the difference that it would be inside of our buildings. And this is not a condemnation statement. This is something that I, I wrestle with this just every day. I'm a human being just like you are. But I wonder if I truly and genuinely every day woke up so thankful for the grace and mercy, the salvation that God has given to me, I wonder how that would impact every other aspect of my life. The way that I speak to people, the way that I act, the way that we worship. We, can, we joke about sports and we joke about all of those things. You know, you know, I'll just say this. Do you know it's been really quiet in the football sports world? Not, and I'm not talking politics, so you can put that out the window. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. But you know the sports world has been really quiet with football lately? Do you know Why? Can I just say it? The Cowboys are horrible and the Patriots are horrible. 
There's nobody quoting anything on Facebook about the Cowboys or the Patriots, and none of them are talking because there's nothing to talk about. It's awesome. At any rate. But you know, even those, I've been a Browns fan my whole life, and we have been horrible my whole life, and that's okay. I at least wear it, and I own it, and it's, it is what it is. Cowboys every year are like, you know, it's our year. My, uh, m- my radiance is greater than those, li- no, I'm just kidding. Um, but the reality is, I don't know where I'm going. When you truly believe in your sports team and you wear it and you do all of the things, you're proud about it, you show it. In our Christian world, we, we kind of, we don't wear our Jesus shirt. Some people wear Jesus shirts Some people I wish didn't wear Jesus shirts that wear Jesus shirts. But oftentimes, it's like we're quiet, secret Christians. And it's filters in here. Do you know why? Because I don't hold firm to this. The truth that I know is the truth that the pastor told me on Sunday. It's not the truth that I wrestle with every morning. It's not the truth that I'm studying, that I am in love with. And therefore, it impacts this. Because it's not genuine when it's not internal. You know, there came a point in my life when my Christian life became mine and not my parents. And it became more real. And I think we need to get there in our Christian lives. And I don't, again, I'm not trying to condemn, but this, these are the thoughts that came to me personally as I'm studying this this week, is I wonder if our churches were genuinely thankful for the salvation and the grace and the love and the mercy and all of the things that we would stand firm. And it, as we close out this, this, this portion, it says, Now our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in verse 16 Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace. And it says this, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Listen, when we are thankful for the love and the grace and the mercy and the salvation that we have in Him and we stand firm, when we stand firm in the truths of God's Word and we live it and we show it, He says you will be comforted in your work and in the Word. Man, that's, that's comforting. <laughs> it's comforting. He loves you. He has given himself for you. And believer, regardless of what takes place all the way around us, I can be comforted not in this, but in him. Because that's where our comfort ought to come from. I imagine in this room, most everyone has been to a funeral of somebody that did not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Sad reality in my world is I've been to a lot of funerals. In the last five years, I've been to a lot more. But many of them have been for people that did not know Christ. And I would stand before and I would speak. And I present 
some form of hope and I share the gospel and I, I present it and usually there's a time at the end where they would say, uh, you know, hey, I want to stand up and I'm going to share of what Johnny meant to me. And somebody would share of what Johnny meant to them and they would talk about a funny story. Oh, I'll never forget the day that Johnny did whatever. I'll never forget every day Johnny used to come to work and we would do dot, 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 dot. You know, the sad, sad reality is the only comfort are those stories when you don't know Christ as Savior. That's the only comfort that somebody has. But as a believer, I can stand, and yes, I will cry, and yes, I have tears, and yes, we, we miss, and yes, we have all of those things, but my comfort is not in that person. My comfort is in the hope of Jesus Christ. It's in the glory of the future of what God has done in their life and is doing in our lives that we would be reunited, and the hope is in Him, not in the comfort of that person. And I say it's the same exact thing for all of us every single day. Our hope, our comfort, our peace, our thankfulness as a believer when it's resting in the love and the grace and the mercy and the salvation of God, I can stand firm and have comfort and joy and peace and hope regardless of what's going on because that's the promise of the faith or in our, our, that's the promise of God through the word of God as we place that faith and trust in him. And so today, as I close out, we kick off a sermon and a series of thanks and giving. And I just pray and I ask and I wonder, would we have brokenness and joy that God called us unto salvation and that the Spirit is working in you, that His Spirit is sanctifying you, the Spirit is setting you apart, it is making you more like His Son and that because you can look back and today as a believer you can stop and you can look back and you say, God, I am thankful. God, I'm thankful for the salvation. God, and I'm thankful that you loved us so much that you made a way for me, that you would have chosen me to pour out your grace and your love and your mercy. And God, because of that, I don't understand a lot of things, but God, I know that I can stand firm in the truths of your word. And I can put a comfort, and I can live in comfort, and I can put a smile on my face, and I can have joy in my world. Can I just ask you today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Is God tugging upon your heart? Is the Holy Spirit tugging upon your heart? Can I plead with you? Don't waste the moment and say, God, I'll deal with this later. Reach out and say, God, I, 
I may not even fully understand. I may not even fully know what I'm saying or what I'm acting and what is going on, but I feel that you are tugging upon my heart. I'm not sleeping at night or I'm wrestling with this and I'm wrestling with that. And God, I know and I understand that you have loved me, that you have given yourself for me. God, I understand that I have failed. I have sinned in my life. And God, I'm asking that you would come. God, that you would forgive me and be my Lord and Savior. Why not today? Why not make today the day that you reach out and say, God, I need you to be my Lord and my Savior. Why not? Believer, why not today be the day that you would just say, God, I speak the right things and I say that I'm thankful and I am. But God, would you break me that I would have a greater grasp and understanding and I wouldn't get past the grace and mercy and love that you have bestowed upon me. I'll just tell you this right now. We're all different creatures. We all have different emotional beings in us. Some cry a lot easier than others, but can I tell you this? If you can stop and begin to beg God to understand the grace of God, I will promise you it will tear you up. Because God's grace is not just something that you go, oh, that's cool. He gave me something that I didn't deserve. It ought to eat us up inside that he loved me, that he chose me. Why me? Why? Why would he choose to love me yet he did put your name there God why would you have chosen to love me maybe you don't know him and maybe you would say that God I don't know why I don't even understand this but why would you choose to to tug on my heart it's because he loves you and he created you to be in relationship with him say yes today say yes today